Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Hemp Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It is hard to believe we've been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011. Oh, you're telling me. Producing this show week after week is so much fun, but it does require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. The Originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals links to the source material from all of our adapted film discussions. Purchasing through our links support the show at no extra cost to you. In Season 12, the focus was big franchises and series. We covered both Paddington films, adapted from the beloved children's book character created by Michael Bond. Oh, I love those films so much. Hugh Grant is perfect. For our Pitch Perfect series, the first film was adapted from Mickey Rapkin's nonfiction book about collegiate acapella competitions. It's like a short story of my life, literally. I lived college acapella. Sing it, brother. I lived college acapella. <laughs> I didn't mean literally. <laughs> You know who you're talking to, right? The Twilight Saga dominated the season with five films adapted from Stephanie Meyer's vampire romance novels, Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, and the two Breaking Dawn parts. Dominated with awkward romance and nonsense logic is more like it. <laughs> that too. Another Thin Man brought us back to Dashiell Hammett's only Thin Man sequel based on other Hammett material, The Farewell Murder, that wasn't just based on the characters from the first film. We talked about Train Spotting and its sequel, T2 Train Spotting, adapted from Irvine Welsh's novels. Ugh, I hate the sequel's name. I do too. And the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, adapted from J.R.R. Tolkien's epic fantasy series. Love these. Extended editions all the way, baby. Plus, all the Mission Impossible films based on the 1960s TV series. And we've still got at least one more to go. Members got to hear us chat about The Hustler and The Color of Money, adapted from Walter Tevis's books. Get all of these books and more at our Originals page, thenextreel.com slash originals. Start your next read from the movies we've covered at thenextreel.com slash originals.
I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to the next reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Peninsula is over. Is that the boat? <laughs> you get the truck, come back with the money. That's $2.5 million per head. If you come back alive. All right, Andy, uh, Peninsula. Remember Train to Busan? I do. Do you want to talk about that one again? (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) There's a lot of negative comments about Peninsula, and uh, and I certainly understand why. Yes, Uh, but I think I think it's an interesting zombie film in the sense that they they have a fantastic concept here, Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. know I didn't I didn't I never really stopped to think about the title much. Until this film started, I'm like, oh, that is so interesting. This idea that this is a country completely isolated from the world. And because it can't, because of North Korea and the the situation where, you know, they've essentially kind of created this bifurcation in this country years ago, and North Korea is completely separated from South Korea, and the zombies can't get through, I was like, that is fascinating. It's basically a place that can become zombie-filled and they can't get out. Mm-hmm. It can be this isolated incident of a zombie outbreak that isn't going to be able to get through unless people, you know, do stupid things like they do in this film. But I was like, that's actually a really interesting concept. And the idea of a society of people try- who are left behind trying to figure out how do we continue living here when no one will come to get us, like there was a really interesting element to that that I liked quite a bit. And it, again, it it goes to so much of what we've talked about in you know member pre-show chats and post chats in in our last episode and other zombie episodes about you know what happens in these worlds where zombies attack, and especially we see this in a lot of the TV shows how society really kind of falls apart and you end up so much of the story is about people being the real monsters and how people are the worst and zombies are out there and they'll kill you but really you really have to watch out for the people and you certainly get a lot of that in this film as these people are having to uh having to figure out how to survive and i mean so i guess that's a good place to start you know the the things that we get set up in this film that could potentially make for a really fantastic film and then we can start talking about what are the things in that are included in this film that really make it not work as well as it as we'd like it to i think we should talk about that because and and i'll i'll go ahead and say it i i actually i like this movie i the the challenge the principal challenge i have with this movie among many is that it doesn't live up to my experience with train to busan 
it, it doesn't live up to that. It's a, just a, a, a substantively different film for me. This just it it feels cheaper around every corner. Um, it it makes use of of CGI elements that that don't live up to a lot of the stuff that they did in the last movie. And even the last movie, there were there were kind of rough edges around some of the sequences. But I, I just had a better time with the last movie um, in terms of uh, you know just the the overall fit and finish and polish. And secondarily, many, many sequences were derivative of other films that I've seen. Like you want to talk about Mad Max, you want to talk about, um, um, you know, and any of the quarantine zones. It's just it, it sort of leveled up on itself with the quarantine zones being a threat and, and all of those things. And we're also on the record as saying I'm less of a fan of humanity gone bad than uh, like it's it feels like I I appreciate it more when they're running from the zombies and figuring out their way from the zombies and they don't have this element of like humanity's also evil everybody's bad I I, I just it's less of a movie the little girl is still adorable like they learned a lesson in the last movie that adorable little girls play and in this movie <laughs> they're sisters and I like them both I don't love the Mad Max you know car chase sequences I don't love the the death divine physics it feels more like speed racer in those sequences but I I like the people in it and and so even in elements that are that feel derivative to me it's zombies and they're in a, a playground that that I do enjoy it's it's also not trained to Busan. So given that opening statement, does that does that help set you up to for retaliation? Well, I don't think we're trying to retaliate here. I, it's not like I'm trying to defend this film. Um, I, <laughs> I I mean I, I'm not exactly sure no. <laughs> where you're going with that. I wonder if we. I wonder if if uh, if if that's a statement of agreement. Like if it's something that we that we agree on that this movie is. Do you agree that it doesn't live up to Train to Busan? There are a lot of great things in this film that, you know, I, I think they have a fantastic concept. It's just they squander it in many ways. I, I think that's uh, I think that's exactly it. And I, I do think as much as I'm less crazy about the, the you know, humanity gone gone mad elements, the, the fun stuff, right, the idea that this is a heist movie. Right at uh, at its like most sort of frosting layer is there's a giant truck full of money, American dollars, uh, that is left in this in town, and we need to go get it. We're sending a crew in to go get it by the the Hong Kong mob, and they're going to go get the truck and bring it to Incheon Port and drive it out. And it's going to be fine because you're going to do it all at night when the zombies can't see, and everything's going to be fine because nobody's there. And it turns out, oh, you guys, there are people there, the bad people. Yeah. So, I, you know, let's let's start there with kind of the setup for the film. Uh, well, and I think, first of all, you know, we've got this is this is basically I mean, this really is we, we talked about in our last episode about the animated uh, film that that was made after Train to Busan called Soul Station that takes place technically before Soul uh, train to Busan, but like right before, like it's like the night before train to Busan as the zombie outbreak is happening. It doesn't explain how the zombie outbreak started. It really is just another story. As we said, it's kind of concurrent with that film. It's just right before. So it's hard to call it a prequel. It's just really a story that also happens in that same kind of window of time. Right. This film really is a sequel, although it's definitely of the world. It's not necessarily any 
of the same characters. We're just following completely different characters who do get out of of Korea at the outbreak, at the time the outbreak happens, and they end up living in Hong Kong. And the story takes place four years afterward. And we're following uh, Jung Seok. He's uh, in the military. His, he's trying to save his sister, her husband, and their child. They get on a boat, and uh, of course, an infected gets on the boat, and only he and his brother-in-law of that family make it out, his sister and um, his uh, niece or no, nephew end up um, turning into zombies, along with many other people on the boat. And so we follow them as they're recruited by this uh, this American uh, to uh, send people back in. This is the this you know weird Hong Kong boss that we have to go and essentially do kind of what we get in our Army of the Dead. And that was an interesting element that I I thought was like, oh, okay, so this is kind of that same story. Let's go in and make make a bunch of money, get get rich, and you can do it because you are familiar with the territory. But this was all before Army of the Dead. So, I mean, just the conceit of it. I mean, you're talking about this heist film. I mean, that was an interesting element. And, uh, you know, I liked what they were setting up for us with it. I, it, it's, it's the frustrating element that I had was from the get-go, the Hong Kong boss, uh, like that whole side of it, like those characters were so poorly written and uh, kind of like obvious villains that were going to just kill them when they came back it's just like they're, there's no way they're going to survive this is annoying and so that was a frustrating element that we had here i didn't ever feel like i had characters like i did in army of the dead that i felt like were genuine criminal elements who could handle breaking in doing this sort of heist and making it out and uh and being the victors and so that was an element that I, I wasn't as much a fan of. Uh, so as far as the heist is concerned, you know, what do you think of kind of the setup that we have with this Hong Kong boss and his team? I, I think conceptually it's very clever and I like it a lot. And I'm on I'm one of those people that didn't love Army of the Dead. But conceptually, I really like the idea of Army of the Dead. I love the idea of sending in this rogue crew into a crazy environment that they know nothing of. And they're going to just try to achieve these, you know, these ends of getting rich. And I, I love the concept. And so I was I was bought in to the idea that this was happening. And I also think the movie does a fair job of setting up the grief at, that that occurs over the course of those four years as, you know, our principal character is, you know, just filled with regret over letting his sister and nephew die, not really letting them die, but not being able to rescue them on the boat four years earlier, right? There's that, like, he's, he is riddled with this. That setup as a motivating factor is interesting to me. Like, he has some allegiance to this uh, brother-in-law um, to, to make it right. And, and so that was fine. Like, I was all, that was all fine for me. I'm, I'm still on board. I'm on board, zombie boat. Now, now, the only other issue that I had with that is he and his brother-in-law, Chul Min, are recruited by this Hong Kong boss. And and I guess that was something that I was like, if there was a reason to send these people in, because they're not the first people, as we find out, that they had sent in to steal this money. The first team that they sent in were making it out, but then they suddenly they didn't hear from them anymore. And so that was kind of our setup. As far as the reasons that they chose uh, Jung Seok and Chul Min, 
that was something that I'm like, is it just because they had gotten out of South Korea? Like, that was one of those things that I was like, I, I could have used a little more logic. Explanation. Yeah, because yeah. it seems like it didn't really matter who went in. It, it just like that was one of those things that I was like, I, I, I wish that I felt like there was a little more specificity to why they chose those two, you know? Well, and I think that's a really good good point, Andy, is that this is one of those issues where it, it feels like, as I'm watching it, like such an easy fix. Like, it's a script fix. Like, it doesn't have to just be motivated by, let's let's see how quickly we can get this group of people, because they're the stars, into this this new setting. Like, they, they could fix it with a couple of lines, and it, it feels just like a, a miss to me. Uh, which is which is hard. And there are a number of those areas in this in this movie that just feel like feel like easy misses, easy fixes for easy misses. And, you know, because I think that they had set up some really interesting things in this world, like these people who are rescued from South Korea. We kind of follow Jung Seok and, and Chul Min is brief, but we do kind of follow them a little bit in their time in Hong Kong. And we see how the rest of the world, well, we see at least how a few people, I should, I should say, in Hong Kong react to having some people from South Korea in their restaurant, for example. And they're really kind of rejected from society, largely. Like, people don't want the, to be around them. They're afraid that they're carrying the disease. And the the owner of the restaurant's like, I don't even want your money. Just get out of here. And so they're setting up some interesting uh, sides of the world building that I think, I don't know, for me, made for an interesting thing. Like, how does the world react when suddenly an entire country, one that's isolated from the world, but an entire country suddenly is full of zombies? Yeah. You know, and that was like, there's there's an interesting element to that. Yeah, and there's something about cultural identity, too. Like, to your point, these guys are floating around Hong Kong, and they're not... There, the, it's just the idea of that isolation, the diseasism that that is uh, uh, that that manifests that sort of environmental hatred uh, and and if effectively environmental racism that's rooted in fear of disease. Like that's that's all legit stuff, and and uh, it, it feels that feels very natural to me. So I'm I'm still I'm on board with that with the world building, and I think that's yeah that's all that's all good. Right, that's the stuff that I'm really enjoying here. Yeah. So where does it come off the rails? So we follow these people to South Korea. They, they've got deals. And, you know, this all fits in the scope of the way that this sort of world building works is inevitably criminal elements are going to do what they need to do. And obviously they've cut deals with people so that they can get through the line and, and take people to shore. That's the sort of thing that uh, really, you know, didn't surprise me and, and made sense. So so they end up in South Korea and they are driving from Incheon. Where was it? Incheon Port, right? Mm -hmm. Into find this money now. And I guess this is, you know, I, I start finding things that are like, OK, they find a car. Conveniently, it's still working. Don't think it would have been working. And all of its tires have air. Yeah. And the, like everything, I was like, and the road is clear. Like there's a path for them to get through. Like, and when that happened, I'm like, uh, okay, well, this is, this doesn't make any sense. This is a little ridiculous. I get it. They have to get somewhere, but the fact that it became so easy suddenly was a little bit of a problem for me. Yeah. I mean, there were some interesting setups, like that moment when he stops, they're looking at this truck that they think might be the one, and then he hears this noise, and he goes to this 
uh, I don't know. I guess it's one of those encased, like glass encased stairwells, like in a mall or something. And he looks through the window and sees that it's completely full of zombies that are just kind of like pressed against the edges. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Like, so we're some, getting some setup of the world. Those were those. That was che- Chekhov's window of zombies. That's exactly what that is. Right. And and I love it. Like uh, that. That's the kind of stuff I'm totally on board with. And we have set up again this these rules that were loosely established last time like when it's dark the zombies suddenly have a very difficult time seeing and they kind of lose track of things but they still are attracted to noise so we're we have some of these rules set up and at this point i'm being pretty forgiving with the film because they're driving a car through empty streets and no zombies come running which isn't the case later when they're driving cars through streets zombies hear the car and run at it even if it's dark and, yes and, and that was one of those things i'm like okay they're making this way too easy for these people and you know so that by that point i kind of had a sense as to what was going to be happening with this film yeah and then i think i really started they find the, the truck they find the money we're getting kind of that set up. We even set up some people are watching them. I'm okay. Okay. We have somebody watching them and talking about these people asking like, is this unit 631? Who is this? And they have to get out of this place because zombies are coming. And I just, I, I'm starting to get frustrated because like they, they seem to make a lot of decisions. Like there's a noise, like I can't remember exactly what happens, but a noise is made. And so zombies start running. And so I was asking myself questions like, okay, if they, like I, I don't, I don't know how effective the zombies work. One first thing: when they chose to come in t- into this country, why do they choose all these weapons that make so much noise? Why not shoot, choose things that have <laughs> silencers? That was one question I had. <laughs> if they know zombies are attracted to noise, um, yeah. but two, it's like it's dark out, so zombies are attracted to noise. So if they just hid in the truck. And the zombies just kind of came running past with the zombies. I mean, the zombies heard a noise and they're running toward it, but they don't know where the noise came from. And if these people just kind of duck down in their cars with the zombies just kind of run by and then just kind of like forget what they're doing and just kind of wander away again. One hundred percent. I just have to say, Andy, because the past movie built the rules on which this movie so perilously tries to stand. In the last movie, they used some, like, water and newspaper to cover a window that shut the zombies up as soon as they couldn't see the target at all, whether or not it was daylight or or night. And so, like, that is a rule I expected to to be maintained. Use the visual line of presence to to for the zombies. And they just did not, like, they didn't make use of that stuff. It just felt like that's something, even these people, if they've been living for four years, like, with, you know, the exploration of what is going on on the peninsula, I'm sure they would have learned that lesson by now. I just, like, this fails the rule set that they built in the last film. Well, and he was already failing the rule set. Like he, the rules became used as needed in the last film. Yeah. Like we had some issues with some of the rule breaking that right. were going on there. You're right. And that I think is one of the, the biggest problems with this film is, is zombies don't react. Uh, the, zombies are fine in the dark uh, and you're going to, you're fine moving past them unless the story needs you to be chased by zombies then they'll still chase you yeah um the light thing you know is certainly still thing here um so i don't know there were a lot of issues that they kind of brought up with them that i don't know i was i I was like uh, side-eyeing a little bit with the way that the rules were playing 
And and to your point, like I think the the big sequences at the end where they're shooting the the flares into the sky, bright lights, big bangs, would have been more threatening if the rules had been followed, you know, uh, with a little bit more rigor for the rest of the movie, right? Like it just like those elements were used so sporadically, scattershot, like it just was unintentionally or intentionally for plot that i uh, they lost all meaning yeah and that's that's a very frustrating element so they get the they get the truck of money they manage to drive out of there and we think they're going to make it so the truck is driving we've got the the other car that they came in driving everybody's now heading back toward Incheon port um the zombies there they've kind of you know they're being followed by zombies but they're driving so they're going to be able to make it and then suddenly, and this is where things shift, we have, uh, you know, this other element, as we find out, it's it's the team from Unit 631 who shows up and they shoot flares toward the cars. I don't know why the cars stop, but they do because there's like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And that draws the zombies to the cars and then suddenly they're attacked. Jung Siuk is, you know, they get into a crash. He's thrown free. The other two people that they come with, Chul Min hides in the back of the truck with the money. The other two people they came with get attacked by zombies. And then uh, these people steal the truck and after they draw the zombies off. And I loved that little, you know, whatever that little advertising truck <laughs> that they have drive by. Like, that was pretty funny. Yeah. They get the truck and drive off. But this is after uh, Jung Siuk is saved. And this is where I really start having issues because he's saved by these two girls uh this is i think min jung is it min jung or it's juni and Eugene yeah are the two girls yeah. and they uh they're amazing drivers in a you know an apocalyptic city and i mean it was it was ridiculous watching these two driving around and it all looked so video gamey it was mm-hmm. like i uh, the cg was i think the problem with the CG in a situation in a film like this is there's a difference with CG that's bad, but also still looks like uh, like a vehicle is reacting appropriately to the world that it's in. In the scope of what we're watching here, the, the CG looks pretty wonky, and it never feels like it's reacting properly to the world. Like it never reacts like a a car with as much mass as it has should be reacting. Like it's not even reacting in ways that cars in fast and furious would be reacting. Like it just looks false. Uh, Especially once you start putting objects in its way. I'm like, there's no way that it can plow over zombies as, as readily as it is. Like there were so many things that it was doing. I'm like, it's just turned into a video game. And this was this thing that I, I found so frustrating with this film. It's like they they decided we want to make this a, a kid-friendly zombie film. And now we have these two kids rescuing him. And it becomes just a kind of a joke of, of you know, as they're kind of getting out of this. And so that's where the film really... Uh, really starts falling apart for me. I, I, I mean, I liked some of the elements. Like, I liked that the little girl had rigged up these little remote control cars with, like, um, you know, uh, disco balls and things to attract the zombies. Like, that was a great idea. Unfortunately, they also have to be driving around like, like in a video game. It was so stupid. And so, those are elements that were frustrating for me. I loved the fact that the woman and these two girls, like, that was the woman that uh, that um, Jung Siuk 
passed by and refused to help at the start of the film. Like that was a great little um, surprise that, oh, she's actually um, the one that he knew. So like they were setting some really interesting things up and then they were just making it so stupid and video gamey with things like the car chases that I just, I could not get past. I could not agree more. I feel like the car chases were an incredibly distracting uh, element of this movie. We get a couple of them, and they're just, they're so bad and so not of the world that it it completely, like, breaks the the my concept of the movie. It completely breaks it, and I just, I, it's just terrible. The first car chase with the girls being, you know, being the super car drivers, so you're, I mean, that's exactly uh, the problem with this movie, the kid-friendly zombie movie, because then it becomes, like, spy kids, right? Like, it, it changes tone so dramatically that it's, it's no longer, like, it, it's no longer representative of the world they've just spent the last 20 minutes setting up. Uh, so I have a real problem with that. Some of the, the breaks like the little remote control car sequence in the first one the the uh and at the end when they actually end up shooting the the glass the reason i bring that up in particular is because obviously when a bazillion zombies fall out of the side of that mall that's a cg thing and my brain is already willing to let a mountain of zombies crawling all over one another believe that that is totally cg and not take me out of the movie because that's the movie i expect to see the fact that the uh that that all of the cars surround that sequence make everything else look more fake <laughs> right it detracts from even the substantive zombie fear and and that is the problem of this movie that's for me is that it gets in its own way so many times just because of the whether it's flat production design that leads into these weird you know spy kids mad max sequences with the little girls so yeah, it's, I mean, almost to a point where I, I have a hard time uh, in the scope of zombie films, like there is no horror element to this. I feel like horror is completely removed and it becomes like an action adventure heist zombie apocalypse film because of the tone that they're taking with the zombies themselves. It removes any fear. And I mean, the, you know, starting it on the boat, like there was some interesting stuff there. The way those zombies move in this film in particular, like when that first zombie stands up in the boat, like the way that he's lying on his back and then he sh his legs like pop up and his and, and he's on his feet and his head and then flips himself up like there were some really creepy, so cool zombie acrobatic moves that I really enjoyed. And I was like, OK, we're going to get some interesting stuff with these zombies here and then we never do we get like these massive pileups and and things like that which is like all right fine and then the zombies can can do like these insane things like i don't know just like the way they keep coming out of places but then it's like they get stuck behind two trucks that get pinned to each other and that becomes like a a pin or I should say a large rock in the tiny hole that kind of clogs the funnel for them to get through, you know? I, I don't know. I just feel like there's such a massive thing of zombies. I, I There are times where, it, it again, seems like it's done in, in the way for the story to, as the story needs. Like, if the zombies need to get through, they get through. If they don't need to get through, then it's easy for them to be held back by two, cru two vehicles that are pinned to each other. Well, 
the most egregious example of that again, and I want to I want to settle in on Unit Six Thirty One for a minute. But the most egregious example of the, of the thing you're talking about is at the very end in the final run through the parking lot, where our our hero yes. is running from zombies right behind him, and he opens two car doors that are essentially right next to each other, and is able to get away because the zombies, like the car doors, cars are parked and the doors are just open, kind of loose against each other, and that stops the zombie zombies enough and there are hundreds and hundreds of zombies but it stops them enough that he's able to get away it is it's absurd it's visually absurd that those that they rely on those kinds of things to move to move the story forward there's it is absurd and once it's absurd there's no threat right yeah, that exactly. that's the, that's the issue so unit 631 i mean this is the part where the humans are terrible and um and they make use of zombies in in their own unique way. So I'm curious your take on this because it's a it's very very practical, right? All of a sudden we're not with CG zombies. Unit six three one military outfit survivors living in this mall, and they have cordoned off a lot of the a, a big area, central kind of area with with fencing, and they play essentially uh, <laughs> we'll call it Hunger Games, uh, where they release them. They they paint numbers on all these guys' bare chests and backs, and they're prisoners, and they put them in the middle of this this atrium area and release zombies. And the the people have 120 seconds to run around and not be eaten before they are rescued, and they use it as a betting game. It's a gambling outfit for the entertainment of the militia. What did you think of this overall sequence? In the scope of Unit 6 through 1, it makes sense. I mean, this is exactly the sort of thing that we've seen in The Walking Dead. And the places that depraved people end up going once an apocalypse happens, they find ways to entertain themselves. So it made perfect sense that they're going to find these, quote, wild dogs, kind of other survivors, and use them as uh, as these... I mean, essentially like the Romans throwing somebody, you know, to the lions and seeing what they do or putting a couple warriors out there. Let's watch and see what happens. And so I, I liked that sequence. I loved the look of it in this mall, in this kind of flooded lower level of this mall. Like it was a, it was a cool sequence. And like when when the zombies, when they open up the door and this pile of zombies kind of moves out, like I was like, that's actually kind of cool. I don't know why the zombies are like that. It was this yeah. weird pile of zombies that kind of moves out because it's you know hive mind we hear people where we want to get to them but i'm stuck in this pile i can't do anything except move my feet so i'll kind of shuffle and and move in that direction and so and, and then slowly they start peeling off like there were some cool elements to that and it looks super creepy although i can never quite figure out why the zombies chose to like lay in a big mound like that and like why they couldn't just get up like it just I was like, <laughs> Were they it's like creepy looking. down. Yeah, it looks creepy, but I didn't really get it. Yeah. And and so I mean, I get it. I like that they were doing this. It's not my favorite thing in Unit 631. It's one of these things that I feel like I've seen before, I've seen after. It's nothing new, it's nothing super exciting. Even like the crazy Sergeant Huang, who is the one who goes out in the trucks and brings back food. Like he's their team that goes out to try finding food for everybody. I liked the, some elements of him, but also I felt like he was a little much, and he wasn't my favorite of the things. I actually really ended up liking the captain of this group, because of all of them, he's the one who I just found was the, the, like mentally broken from all of this, like debating, am I going to kill myself? Am I going to, like, what's going on? And just like, I don't know, I found him to be kind of an interesting character that was largely used 
well. And so it's it's an interesting group, and it has some interesting elements. It's never as effective as I want it to be for the film, but it has some interesting elements to provide kind of some antagonistic characters. That's the challenge. I felt like Crazy Sergeant Guy is, he was such an empty vessel of just crazy and no motivation that I I just didn't, like, I, I didn't really truck with him. And I wasn't, I, I just wasn't, he was just so empty that I, I wasn't scared of him when they have their little confrontation in the office where he w- walks away having convinced himself that the captain and the private were actually in a in a, a gay sort of love affair. And he, he says, I'll give you, I'll tell everybody not to bother you. I felt like that's like such, such a weird, uh, like non non sequitur of of a of a save for the scene. <laughs> like it's just easy. It was too easy. Is yeah? Is he? Because I he walked out of that room and I was like, well, of course he's saying this because he is just saying that to get out, but is convinced they're doing they're up to something else. Yeah, and was gonna. But but then he never did. And I'm like, right. okay, wait a minute. So now I'm like, so is this working, you know, against my expectations? <laughs> or is like, is it is it good that I was thinking that? Or is it bad? Because it just kind of goes nowhere. And I wasn't really sure what to think of that. But it was such a strange way to play that whole thing that, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, didn't like it. There were two things that I wanted out of the zombie game, right? And and this is the problem with me being ahead of the movie because it's so derivative in other areas that I'm already like I'm I'm working my brain is working so hard to say okay that's Mad Max that's this that's Walking Dead whatever this one I felt like you you already brought up sort of gladiatorial combat like I feel like that would have been an a, a much more interesting sequence if they had both prisoners and people who wanted to be there like agents and gladiators who want to fight the zombies that that would have been an interesting thing like to to mix the prisoner population with people who are out there trying to make money based on their ability to put their own life at risk i thought that would be cool the other piece that i wanted more than anything else was for them to create like i, I felt like they're they're going this is going to be the running man like I want yes, there to be a yes. chase. They've yeah. set up an entire set of shipping containers and obstacles. This could have been an incredibly cool parkour chase of people running from a zombie horde in like a running of the bulls in Pamplona. Like I thought they, they just was such opportunity and instead it's just a box. It's just a box. Like that's the whole this whole unit 631 boils down to that for me. It's just a box. And so I didn't I like I, again because the the threat had been so minimized by lunacy. I, I wasn't scared, and as a result, I wasn't that interested. I couldn't wait for it to be over. Question for you though: uh, At the end, Mom, she's in the truck. Does she know the captain? Yes. There is a weird sequence of recognition, and I couldn't remember how they knew each other. Well, she had escaped. They they talk about how she and her kids and her dad had escaped from this place and they had been surviving on their own so she knew him that's how they knew okay that's how they knew their way around too she knew how to get in with that fancy the the car on rails as an escape hatch yeah that is a bit of engineering right there that that's a lot of work lunacy yeah Yeah. a lot of work to to make that yeah so it's it's a frustrating Set up and, and to your point regarding the uh, the underground fight club that they have, if they had 
to your point, made it this this competition sort of thing, or or that's something else. Like it's like they could have had these prisoners have to fight each other and the zombies, and the goal was to see who could be the one person, the last man standing in a fight against other humans and zombies. And like that could have made it more interesting. Yeah, suddenly we're throwing in a little escape from New York, you know, like as long as we're throwing in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like they could have, they, there's a lot that they could have done here, but I guess to the, to the overall scope of the picture, it just feels like there are interesting elements here, but it never really achieves what it, uh, what, you know, I think would, would have made it a lot more interesting. And that's, I think where it falls apart for me. Did the finale sequence, the car chase, the airport or the port, uh, the port chase, mom sack, potential sacrifice. Did that mean anything to you? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, not really. But, you know, I I guess getting (laughs) getting to that, I mean, just as far as the story goes, you know, Jung Seok tells the mom who, you know, she's the one who you know, I didn't save you. And that was, I mean, that was an interesting element. It never really does much other than it seems to create for her, Min Jung is her name, uh, this, I don't know, it's kind of this debt that she imposes upon Jung Seok saying, you know, you're going to have to, uh, when the time comes, you got to do something for my daughters then or something. It's just kind of like, mm, okay, um, it, kind of a weird little thing. But anyway, because yeah, they they need to get this this satellite phone so that they can get out and then they need to get the money and so that's why they break in and uh, so i you know i don't know i was already frustrated with so many elements of the story because they decide let's go break in and then they break in and she's just like running around like thank god everyone was at the games because she's just like moving like way too fast like there happens to be a guard who's like hey you and of course, yeah. luckily, Jung Shook's there. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, she's she's like, we got to do this fast. I'm like, probably should sneak around a little more, you know, lady. I mean, this <laughs> you're you're being you're not checking corners. You're just like running in, and it's like this is just she's just being an idiot here. So that was frustrating. The escape uh, was fine. You know, there were a lot of elements that I didn't like, like his when he hears that um, that one guy had been saved, and he knows that Chulmin is alive. The fact I'm like, uh, okay, we got to go through this thing now where he goes and saves his brother-in-law. And mm-hmm. I was rolling my eyes at all of that. And then, of course, his brother-in-law gets killed anyway. And then they escape. And she knows that conveniently, like, this is the wall I drive the truck through at the right moment to save you. There were a lot of those sorts of things that I just, I was rolling my eyes a lot through all of this stuff. Which then, as you said, leads into the kind of this Mad Max chase through the city, which I found just ridiculous. It was so annoying. Um, it, just like the roads were way too conveniently cleared. And, uh, you know, the the girl just drives like, you know, Fast and the Furious sort of driver. And just like all of this stuff was just designed like a video game to get them out of the city. And so it was incredibly frustrating. I kept like when Captain CO pops up at the end, I'm like, okay, I like him. He's an interesting character. Like the only really interesting character that I found in the whole of Korea in this, uh, in the part of the film, you know, like I, I just found like <laughs> his psychosis. Well, <laughs> his psychosis was just so fascinating to me and his, his gleaming hope to actually escape uh, to the point where he would, you know, kill whoever he like. He kills his private he goes after the truck. Like, I found him to be an interesting character. Like, that well, was Well, he'd like, almost killed himself. 
right? Like yeah. he had almost given up everything right at the moment that they discovered that there's the sat phone and he has a way out. Like that, exactly. was, that was an interesting twist. And I actually low-key loved the hot potato of the sat phone. I thought that was really fun that it kept ending up with different people. And the payoff was, uh, I, I don't know how fulfilling it was when, when the captain actually gets the truck to the boat and then is ultimately assassinated because he wasn't part of the, of the team, I guess. No, I just think they were going to kill whoever. They were going to kill whoever. Oh, was. Uh, that, yeah. that's why I'm like Jung Seok is never going to make it back with the truck because these people are just going to kill whoever, uh, or he does and they kill him, and that would have been kind of the the bleak sort of ending that we get. But <laughs> as much as I like seeing uh, Co show up at the end, uh, like and and take the girls hostage, like he was a really interesting character. What I hated about him and the whole the way that it plays out is. He steals the truck, he makes it onto the ship, and they're like, hey, whatever, let's go, the zombies are coming. And that's when uh, the gangster uh, shoots him, and <laughs> it's like, okay, dump the body. And then somehow, like, I'm just like, because my recollection is that he shot him multiple times, and I'm like, wait a minute, so he just kills this guy in the truck, but he's not dead, and he's not dead enough to know how to put the truck in reverse and floor it so that it, it backs up. And I'm like, ugh, this is just... There's only yeah. one other option for that that I was thinking about, which is he's so dead that the movie expects me to believe that he, like, just accidentally his arms fall in such a way that puts the car in reverse and his foot falls accidentally on the accelerator and actually pushes the car over the I, I thought that was that was you know ridiculous the the other piece that i thought this move where where it hit me that the movie has no guts really at all is the final rescue um you know when jung sok goes out and and runs back in to to save mom if the movie had any guts at all he would have had to stand there in front of his daughters and shoot her in the truck so that she, to prevent her the suffering of being eaten by zombies that i thought would have been gutsy like for a movie that is ultimately kind of missing any of that so yeah it's well and i guess the issue is that they they were trying to set up this character arc for him as this character because yeah he has this moment earlier in the film with his brother-in-law who says you just stood there and you didn't do anything you could have done something but you didn't i don't know what he could have really done i mean i guess yes he could have grabbed his sister and pulled her a little with a little more force to get away from the child that was turning and save her. Um, so that was uh, sure. I can I can see the brother in law's point there, but using that as kind of like his character growth moment when he, we've seen him do plenty of things over the course of the film to suddenly to have this be the 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 uh, flashback callback to hear his brother in law from all those uh, you know days ago saying you never you could have saved her but you did nothing and then realize I'm going to save her. It's like uh, of course he is and. And so I guess, you know, in the scope of that, it's like, okay, so now he's going to run into this zombie horde and try to figure out how to save her, which keeps her from killing herself. And then they both make it out. If if anything, at least have her make it out with her kids. And he is yeah. and he ends and up being the one who has to self-sacrifice. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah. I feel like either way he loses, right? Like my, my ending is the ultimate like redemption story because it comes through great sacrifice that he is paired with these girls who are looking at him as a savior and they have to watch him kill their mother to save her. That was the favor that she was asking him about earlier was you have to end this, but save my daughters like that. I felt like that was, that would have been great because then they never would have loved him. And he like, but, but he would have done the right thing by mom or to your point self-sacrifice let him get caught by the zombies after saving mom so that they can the family can ultimately be reunited either way the movie took the weakest low-hanging fruit happy ending way out and it was incredibly frustrating all the other stuff i can forgive so many things about the cg i can forget and maybe not the mad maxi car chases but i can forgive a lot of the other things the fact that this movie ended on such a note of complete impotence is is it's it, for me one of its greatest sins absolutely and i think it all kind of ties into the grandfather and his story because they kind of play him like is he saying in kind of the things that he's saying um you start getting a sense that oh he didn't even turn the radio on okay so he's just talking to this radio calling for uh major jane uh somebody that he knows who's going to save them it's all a joke like he he's either joking and he's doing it in a way to kind of like entertain his his granddaughters or to you know make it so that they're not scared or he's crazy like there are a few options that they kind of allude to with him and he starts kind of going down the crazy road as it starts as other people like min jung is like oh no dad remember she major jane wants us to go to Incheon port wouldn't that make sense oh yeah you're right i'll let her know like there's those sorts of things that it's like okay dad's just kind of a loon and then to have it be major jane at the end the un worker i was like oh wow i cannot believe that this actually just happened like they made it a real thing that he had been talking to this person. Well, I was like, and th- but then it's kind of set up like, was he talking to her? Is her name con- <laughs> accidentally Jane? You know, the whole thing was so eye-rolling and and uh, ridiculous that they went down that road. I, I ended up very frustrated with that. And so it was an element that, um, as you said, it took all the potential bite out of it. And it was the weakest way to kind of end this film. Is uh, very frustrating. Yeah. Very frustrating. There were moments that I think, in the scope of what they were doing and the way they were crafting this, there were moments that I think the zombies, they they played the look of the zombies really well, particularly in moments where a light flashes across them, whether it's like the headlights that they do. And I mean, they had some moments where it's like slow-mo as the daughter is like, you know, pulling the handbrake and spinning the the vehicle to shine the, her headlights into this alley to get these zombies to come out and block this other car, things like that. It was a stupid moment in the movie. But the way that you have these zombies in the dark with great makeup effects and the light kind of flashes across them and the zombies kind of all turn and look like there were some really great shots of zombies in those moments where uh, they were really playing with them in the light. I loved those beats that we had. Unfortunately, they were few and far between, but there were probably at least two moments. I think it was that moment. And then later there was a whole bunch of zombies that were on, I don't know, like a bridge or something. This is when all the cars turn on their headlights, I think. And um, and all of these zombies turn and then they start falling off the bridge. 
but the way that the zombies looked in the light, I just, I really enjoyed the creature effects in those sorts of moments. You know, I, there were a couple times that this is a, this is a zombie sequel where they really increase what we saw from the last film as far as the number of zombies. Like last time, it was largely like in the train. I mean, we had those moments outside of the train, but largely in the train is a set number of zombies. Here, it's best when we have those set number of zombies and they're still and we get a look at them. It's when it's the CG, like hundreds of zombies piling off of uh, the bridge or or running through the streets. Like that was when I was, oh, and then it's like they set up this thing like, oh, the zombies, they're on a march. I'm like, what the hell? Zombie? It's a That's zombie so march? Dumb. Yeah. I I feel like, <laughs> so weird. The Train to Busan succeeded, I I feel like, in large part because of the constraint of being on the train. Like, it's it's on the train, and if it's not on the train, it's around the train station, and the world itself compresses to keep people on the train until the big finale, right? Where ultimately they still end up on a train. But but all of the running around is constrained around this one sort of mode of transportation, and that, because of its, it, its compression of the world, makes it feel uh, threatening. It's, it is threatening. This movie, normally, I, I would come at this movie and think, gosh, it's so great. We can kind of expand the world and see what else is going on. And the world expansion doesn't play. Like, it just does not. It, it doesn't play. This movie needed more constraints, I think, to, to, make, it, um, to make it feel like a threat again. Uh, and and that makes me sad. It mostly just makes me sad. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's frustrating when a film sets such an interesting world up, because I, I was really fascinated by this world of this country, isolated and run by zombies now, like completely overrun. And it's four years later. And so they're setting up this really interesting world. And then there are things, unfortunately, that start going through your head when you have a setup like this. It's like, wait a minute, four years. What are the zombies eating? And I feel like I've seen this in enough zombie stories now where it's like, over time, the zombies get weak when they don't have any food to eat, and they're kind of like just laying there and then moving very slowly or whatever. And I'm like, this film just doesn't do that. Like, these zombies are ready to go as soon as they show up. I'm like, what have they been doing, like, the last four years? How are they surviving this this way? And so there were these moments that were kind of set up where I'm like, it's an interesting world, and I just don't feel like they did enough of the world building, set enough of the rules that they were then going to effectively follow to make it as good as I wanted it to be. And that's, I think, its greatest um, weakness is that they're setting something really interesting up and really kind of making bad choices all along the way. I get, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It just makes me, it, I think that is the, like apart from the fact that it's not a great movie because of the choices that it makes explicitly, it's made even less resonant because it is on the heels of a movie I really enjoyed. And, and I mean, you know, there. I mean, we'll talk about soul station at some point in a bonus episode it's an interesting film it's not as effective as train to busan either but i think that they were doing some more interesting things in that film that made that work better than this one as well i think animation works well for that movie because it any of the suspension of disbelief stuff that comes from bad effects is completely obliterated because you're in an animated experience already like I, they get away with more yeah, but even to that end, it's not like they're doing anything in that film where I would have felt like it was egregious and bad CG. Like True. it's just it was a it was a fairly straightforward story. And this yeah. is I think with this film they decided 
it's going to be so fanciful and over the top that it's it's beyond the scope of reality which at least the both of the animated or um you know train to busan both of them felt like they were at least you know set in a real uh, you know physical world right that's all i got yeah all right well we will be right back but first our credits The Next Reel is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson, music by Charlie Ryan, Oriel Novella, and Eli Catlin. Andy usually finds all the stats for the awards and numbers at d-numbers.com, boxofficemojo.com, imdb.com, and wikipedia.org. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. Okay, Andy. So, uh, have they released the U.S. remake uh, train last train to New York since we last spoke of it? It's been about six days. <laughs> it's been about six days. Real quick turnaround on that one. Uh, no, and I don't know. Uh, again, since that time a week ago, uh, no new news has come out uh, as far as what they're intending to do with that. If they're still going to actually make that remake, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Too soon. Too soon. How did it do at award season? Uh, surprisingly, it did okay. It's a genre film, so it's certainly the genre awards. But even in the Korean awards, it uh, it received a number of nominations uh, at the at the Bake Song Art Awards. Uh, Koo Kyu Hwan was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. That play, that was Captain Seo. Uh, he but he lost to Jung Min Park in Deliver Us from Evil. Uh, Ri Lee. The I believe really was the uh, the little girl, littlest of the girls. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, but lost to Kim Sun Young in Three Sisters. Uh, Kim Do Yoon was nominated for Best Actor. That was Chul Min, the brother-in-law. He was nominated for Best New Actor, but lost to Kyung Hong in Innocence. And it was nominated for Best a Technical Award in Visual Effects, but lost to Space Sweepers. Did you watch Space Sweepers? That was on Netflix. I don't believe I did. I had a fun time with that one. Yeah, worth yeah. it. It's fun. It's right. just it's a fun. Uh, I mean, it's nothing great, but it's 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 an easy watch. Uh, at the Korean Association of Film Critics Awards, it was it won Best Cinematography and Best Visual Effects, surprisingly. And at the Korean Film Producer Association Awards, it won Best Sound and Best Visual Effects. So you know, I mean, I, I don't know what it was up against, but it did have some wins in some of these categories. Hmm. Okay, I I find that. Just extraordinary to believe, but okay. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing: like the zombies again in individual shots, yeah. or or like that that looks great. It's just those mass moments where it just looks pretty terrible. And the driving, God, yeah. anything that's really where I struggle the most. Yep, falls apart. Uh, how did it do at the box office? <laughs> Yes, (laughs)
Yonsang Ho's live-action follow-up to his previous film had a much bigger budget than Train to Busan, $16 million, or $18.4 million in today's dollars, almost double the budget. The movie was set to premiere at Con 2020, like its predecessor, but due to the pandemic, ended up having its release pushed and its box office affected. It opened July 15th, 2020 in, uh, I don't know, whatever releases it could find, going on to earn $1.2 million domestically and $41.4 million internationally for a total gross of $49.1 million dollars in today's dollars. While not received nearly as well as the first film and not nearly as popular in the box office due to the pandemic, it still made a profit, going on to land an adjusted profit per finished minute of $264.7,000. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, it, it feels so much like this was just a weird, like, cash out for Song Ho. <laughs> like, it feels like he should not have been directing this movie. It's just a weird, such a dramatic tonal shift. But, you know, they got butts in seats. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Uh, well, you know, I will say, uh, Train to Busan had a lot of archetypal characters in that, but it worked in the scope of that film. And I think when you look at Soul Station and this film, um, I haven't seen any of his other stories that he had done before or after but these three zombie films i i think it he really seems like a person who really likes to play in archetype with his stories and i know oh let's see i think he wrote uh wrote and directed soul station and adapted train to busan and wrote and directed this so i i think that in the scope of what he's doing I, I think that's part of the issue. And I'd be curious to kind of watch more of his films outside of these three and see if if he really just likes to truck an archetype because it's a hard thing to make work well. He he does it in Train to Busan, but I think the story there largely carried it. And with these films, I think it just, they, you know, these characters just start getting, they just don't hold up as well. Yeah, I mean, I I think that is the that's the central challenge uh, that I have. These are this is an empty vessel of a of a film, and it's got some things going for it, and some you know cool ideas in the practical use of the zombies. And otherwise, I don't necessarily need to watch this one again. But what's really great is that means now that this movie is over, we're going into our final series of our production year. What do you think about that? That's right. That's crazy. Yes, that's right. Um, it's a doozy. I know. We're going to be closing this uh, this season out looking at the Mission Impossible franchise. So with that, we'll be right back for our ratings for this film. But first, here's the trailer for next week's movie kicking off that series. Brian De Palma's 1996 film, Mission Impossible. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. This is your mission should you choose to accept it. Should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. Ethan Hunt will be your point man as usual. Good luck, Jim. Simple game. Is he serious? Always. It's much worse than you think. We're being ambushed. Abort, that's an order. They knew, they knew we were coming. Do you read me? I don't care how he did it. I want to know why he did it. You're worried about me. Why? 
you survived. I'm sure we can find something I have that you need. No one sent me. These guys are trained to be ghosts. Let's not waste time chasing after him. Just make him come to us. Find something that's personally important to him and you squeeze. seen me very upset this tape will self-destruct in five seconds uh letterbox andy have you ever heard of letterboxd no tell me about it well there's just it's letterboxd but there's no trailing e before the d that's what might have tripped you up it's letterbox letterbox d is what I've heard some people in the in the business referring to it as. But it is our favorite social media network for movie lovers. You can write your reviews. You can uh, keep your film diary and your watch lists. You can make lists of series that you want to follow. Uh, and it, it's just, it's, it's all the stuff you would want if you love movies. And so you should check it out. And if you fall in love with it, which you just might, there is a risk of some real letterbox romance you can remove the ads and support the fantastic Kiwi team that makes Letterboxd by using the checkout code NEXTREAL uh, when you're upgrading to a pro or patron account. And uh, you can also jump to it. We, we put together a magic URL, thenextreal.com slash Letterboxd or Letterboxd. And it will apply 20% off at checkout. Code will already be applied. So go forth and upgrade and uh, get all the perks the team and support the next reel along the way okay andy what are you going to do for rating this movie where are you going to steal stars to give to peninsula this is a um I, i'm i'm trying to gauge my entertainment level with this film because i mean it's not like it was boring it's just a, a film that i'm rolling my eyes through for most of the time and it's frustrating for me because as i said I think they're setting up something really interesting here. And there are some characters I like. I mean, I, I genuinely did like our protagonist. Uh, like, I, I found his journey through the story enjoyable. I enjoyed watching him and his brother-in-law. Like, there are things that work in this film for me. There's just a lot of stuff that doesn't work. And, and then, you know, watching a lot of the, the car chases and stuff really just um, was endlessly frustrating. So I feel like, I don't know. I feel like my frustrations really outweigh most of my thinking with this film. So I feel like I'm going to end up at one and a half. No heart. I, uh, as you know, can't do one and a half. It would be a one star movie if it were about witches or vampires or werewolves or uh, I don't know any name, anything else. But because it's zombies, it gets a full star boost. This is a two star um, film because I like zombies and no heart because it's still silly. Yeah, it's a frustrating place for this sequel, but that's where we're landing at uh, one and three quarters star over in Letterboxd. No heart, so it'll round up to two stars. And uh, so you'll see that over in our uh, page over on Letterboxd. Remember, visit thenextreel.com slash Letterboxd to get your patron or pro membership. It works for renewals as well. And remember, you can learn more about our membership as well. If you go to thenextreel.com slash membership, you get longer ad-free episodes with uh, member-exclusive uh, content. 
um, before and after some of the shows. Um, bonus episodes, lots of bonus episodes, um, early episodes, ad-free, all that good stuff. So again, learn more at thenextreel.com slash membership. So what did you think about Peninsula? Or as it is called in the title, Train to Busan presents Peninsula. We would love to hear your thoughts. Hop into the Show Talk channel over in our Discord community, where we will be talking about it this week. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Letterboxd giveth, Andrew. As Letterboxd always doeth. What is Letterboxd giveth you today? I went high. I went to five stars. Me too. We're both in the clouds. Look at that. What do you got? I went for a Noemi's uh, uh, or Noemi, Noemi, uh, five star review with a heart. And this is something that we didn't talk about, but I said the same thing. <laughs> Did they really have to kill the guy with the walking stick? <laughs> <laughs> I was so disappointed that he gets left behind. First of all, he so genuinely, like when he sees that they're stealing the truck, he's like, wait, take me with you. I really want yeah, to get out of here. I know. I'm he like, why sweetheart. don't they just take him? Just put him in the car. That'd be totally yeah. fine. Even if he said, just hop in the back. Yes, you can come. Like, I really <laughs> wanted him to come. And then to see that CEO is the one who actually kills him. I was like, oh. oh. Like, really? But again, that speaks to why I think he's an interesting character. Because I think he's just so yeah. broken. And so, but yes, same thoughts. <laughs> Completely agree. <laughs> I, uh, I, so I had, I, I've got one and then a bonus. So my first one is from Uh Oh Spaghetti. It's a five star that says, in so many words, this film is quite simply put the post apocalyptic undead Korean Mad Max Fast and Furious I may or may not have wished for at one point or another in my life, privately, socially, or most likely in my dreams. In this film, once again, three themes prove essential for mission success women, impeccable driving skills, and possibly most important, family. An all star zombie flick that would see Junie driving circles around Dom Toretto, likely to survive the zombie apocalypse, but be very annoying about it. 4.98 out of five stars, possibly not suitable for children. 4.98. You think I'm obnoxious with no half stars. 9.8. And then only because I love it and Brian just shared it in the member live chat. Resident Evil Peninsula. <laughs> it's a one-star review. Resident Evil Peninsula. Gameplay, one-star. Graphics, two-stars. Replay value, one-star. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I find that really funny. I find that very funny. So, there you go. Thanks, Letterboxd. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022... We switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down 
the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>